I didn't post a podcast episode to remind myself that I didn't have to. It was okay not to be on a schedule. It was okay to not feel like talking. It was okay to not reach fake expectations. Hey, you're listening to the Love Lasting Podcast. My name's Jen, and I can't wait for us to talk about all the things, from a new recipe I tried for supper last night to how I unknowingly let the world dictate my life. I hope you hit that subscribe button to join me every week and be sure to check out the show notes for a special link to my free private Facebook group where we can continue each conversation. But for now, let's dive right into today's episode because you're here for a reason and I'm determined to deliver whatever message your heart came for. Let's go. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're prepared for me to talk your ear off today because I have a lot to tell you. First off, oh my goodness, it has been two weeks since I posted an episode and I know it sounds silly, but in doing so, I learned a lot about some of my very destructive and toxic thought patterns. This started off as me just leaving it on the back burner, leaving having to record an episode to the last minute because I was busy preparing some new classes I was going to teach. And then when I finally made the time to sit down and record, it was the worst. Like nothing I talked about was making any sense. My words and my thoughts were just not coming out the way I wanted them to and I couldn't get into a zone. Yet, I allowed myself to stay up until I don't even know, like 3 or 4 a.m. trying to record an episode over and over and over again because I said I was going to. I said every Tuesday I would release an episode and I couldn't let that go. I put this pressure on myself to do things Because I feel like I have to, even when I'm the one making myself feel that way. I'm programmed to act or feel like something is going to go wrong or I'm going to get in some kind of trouble if I don't do what I'm told. Even if I'm the one who told myself to do it. And it's actually kind of ridiculous when I think about it. So that week, I chose not to post an episode for the rest of the month, for the rest of January. And I didn't. But now it's February, so here I am. I'll talk a little more on this topic later. Let's talk about some shadow work I've been doing, which is not always fun, but for the season I currently find myself in, a season of growth, I know it's necessary. And sometimes with growth comes growing pains because it's tough when systems and beliefs you've had your entire life come crashing down. Even if you know It's to make space for new systems and new beliefs, better systems, better beliefs. It's easy still to get caught off guard and sometimes it can be really painful because it's like you start to notice things you've never noticed before. The stuff you used to casually brush off are now things you don't want to brush off. It becomes really eye-opening and it can be really hard to watch beliefs and systems and ideas and even relationships with people you love come to light in a way you never noticed before. Almost as if your entire identity was some big lie. At least that's how I feel sometimes when I'm really deep into working through the hard stuff. It's like I don't know who I am or why I think the things that I think 
And when I say hard stuff, I just mean the stuff that takes me a while to understand because I'm very analytical and I find it difficult to move on until I fully understand. But once I work through something, once I find the clarity I was seeking, it's like finding a piece of me that I didn't even know was missing. I learn about things I didn't even know were holding me back and that really helps me get grounded in who I am and what I want, not what I think is expected of me. Because to be honest, I'm really just new at all this shadow work stuff. I actually even used to think it was cheesy and unnecessary because I didn't like the term shadow work. I think I just automatically attached my own definition to it. I never took the time to find out what it actually was. And if I'm being honest, I still just don't really like the term shadow work because it makes me think of like horror movies. I don't know. Anyways, I thought that shadow work was some spiritual ritual or something that people did to summon like evil spirits that are casting shadows in their lives. And the shadow work part was like some ceremony that banishes these spirits. I don't know. Like I was picturing stuff they do in horror movies. I'm wild. I know that. I can't even tell you why I thought that. And I'm sure if you're someone who has done shadow work for years and knows how effective it is, you're probably laughing at me right now and that's okay. If, however, you're like me and you have no idea what shadow work is, maybe you haven't even heard the term, I guess you could say shadow work is kind of like an audit on your life. You spend time looking it over, seeing what belongs, what's causing damage, so you can filter for yourself what you were told to believe and what you actually believe. It's a type of personal growth or like self-exploration that involves looking into the deeper, hidden, and often neglected aspects of ourselves to help uncover like repressed emotions, memories, habits, beliefs, and stories that are hidden beneath our conscious selves, like our conscious minds in our subconscious minds. And by acknowledging these things, we are given the opportunity to learn more about ourselves and work through old patterns and attachments that no longer serve us so we can ensure they aren't causing damage in our current lives without us even noticing. I got into this a little bit in my last episode when I talked about inner child work, but I'm obviously no expert and because everyone is so different and we live such different lifestyles, I assume shadow work also just looks very different for everyone. Anyways, so lots of stuff came up for me this week and I started noticing that there's this theme, like these themes that keep showing up for me, like insecurity, uncertainty, fear, confusion, yada, 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 like the annoying stuff that always comes up when I'm doing shadow work. One specific example that comes to my mind was this anxious, nervous, and almost scared feeling I couldn't shake leading up to the days I was about to teach my first solo group classes after... I think it's been like five years, five, six years maybe. Basically, I've noticed that the dancing in my community needed to be, for lack of a better term, defibrillated. From what I've heard, the dancing here used to be bumping before the world was forced to shut down. So I thought I could help get it back up and running. And I decided to run a few free classes to get people excited about dancing again. So I made the classes free because I just wanted to have fun and not worry about 
what I should teach or which levels I should teach or do I even remember anything? I wanted the classes to be appealing mostly to beginners and people with no experience because those are the ones that tend to need a little more convincing. And there isn't much that makes me happier than being able to awaken the inner dancer in everyone I cross paths with. So anyways, the classes were free and tailored for people with no experience. And I made that announcement. I made it perfectly clear that I was going to teach a beginner class. Of course, advanced dancers were always welcome, but I didn't want to teach anything that would require me to dig too far back into my dance repertoire because it has been a long time since I've hit the dance floor. And I wanted to make sure I could focus all my energy into having fun, not money, not complicated steps or dances, not difficult technique, just fun. I have over 10 years of teaching experience. The class was free. I could teach this group in my sleep. Yet, the days leading up to my first free class, I was so nervous. And it was just such an interesting situation. I mean, I always have a few butterflies before I take the dance floor until I get into a zone. But I was even shocked at how nervous I was this time around. Now, because I'm in this season of growth, self-discovery, healing, midlife crisis, I don't know, whatever the heck you want to call it, because I'm doing things, I decided to let this behavior, these thoughts, these feelings play out. I took a step back and it was like I was able to watch myself and in a way, analyze my behavior. (laughs) I realize how crazy I must sound to some of you. But I'm just trying to get really good at catching myself doing things or thinking thoughts that don't serve me or that bring up a certain degree of resistance. And I just find that if I allow myself to become aware of how I'm feeling and then watch how the feelings affect my behavior, then I feel like I can position myself in a place where I have the power to determine whether the feelings or behaviors were even necessary. And when I'm able to watch it from a different position, from a position that doesn't place me right smack dab in the center of those very intense emotions where I'm feeling surrounded with no escape, when I'm in a position of power, that's when I can initiate change. When you allow yourself to stay immersed in violent waters, eventually you get tired using all your energy trying to stay afloat. Your perspective needs to change from only seeing and feeling water to taking a look around and seeing what else exists. Because there might be a flotation device nearby. Maybe there's another person that would be able to hear you if you asked for help a little louder. The point I'm trying to make is, sometimes all it takes to solve a problem is to see it from a different perspective. There is always something you aren't seeing and just knowing that brings comfort to me because it means that no matter what the situation is, there's always something that I don't see. So if I don't like what I already see, what I'm currently seeing, then I just need to look a different way from a different spot. I need to change my perspective and I know that now. I'm no expert at it, but I will say that it has definitely been a practice that even after a short period of time has completely changed my life. 
So back to my teaching story, I knew that me being excessively nervous made no sense. There was something I wasn't seeing or noticing. And because I didn't know where these feelings were coming from, I just let them play out. Meaning, I didn't try to reason with myself. I didn't try to talk myself out of being nervous. I kind of just went through the motions, took the mental notes, and tried to better understand the inner workings of my very complicated brain. This is actually something I came up with because my girlfriend Rachel won't stop talking about how she read this book that challenges the monomind theory. I mean, I don't even want to go there because that's got to be a whole other episode and I just started reading the book. So it's all kind of new to me, but when she talks about it and tells me about it, it's just like, yes, it makes so much sense. I can't wait to finish the book because it's just so interesting. I had no idea what a monomind even was. I don't even think I ever heard the term before. The book basically explains this idea of your mind being forced to split up into different personalities in order to be able to handle different situations and it's called no bad parts. You know that saying, you never know how strong you are until it's your only choice? I guess the way I understand it is... As we journey through our lives, there are parts of our personalities and our minds that appear or develop because we had no other choice. We were put in a situation and we made a decision. I really started to understand this when I started noticing things about my personality that make me think, like, why am I acting like this? I don't want to be this person. I'm not this person. And then I stopped to think about why or what in the past could have happened to make me feel like this was the way I needed to respond. So for example, I used to be the type of person who almost took pride in my ability to rip someone apart if they hurt me. It was like there was this trigger that would go off anytime someone would say or do something that hurt my feelings. But I'm not even talking about when someone severely hurts my feelings. I'm talking about when someone even jokingly accidentally hurt my feelings. If someone accidentally jokingly hurt my feelings, oh my goodness. I mean, I would remain calm and I would even smile and giggle at the jokes. But the stuff I would say back and knowingly, I would knowingly say whatever I could to make sure that that person felt so horrible that they were scared to even speak in a tone that offended me. But I would say it in like a joking way which allowed me to tell myself it was just a joke when I really knew my intention wasn't funny. I thought that if people were scared to hurt my feelings, it would lessen the amount of times I'd get my feelings hurt. Obviously, that wasn't true. All it did was make me unnecessarily mean sometimes. Yet I still lived my life for so many years, not even being aware that I was like this. I mean, I kind of did, but I just thought that's the way I was. Like, I have brown skin and black hair. That's just how it is. I felt like my personality was the same thing. I was just like that. I didn't like people hurting my feelings and it made me mean. That's just how it was. It never dawned on me that I didn't have to be like that. That maybe there was a better way to protect my feelings and that 
I could change if I wanted to. It obviously sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud, but that's honestly what I thought. I had an I am who I am, it is what it is kind of attitude. Okay, I totally went off on a tangent again. The whole point of the story was to tell you about how I dealt with my nerves leading up to the classes I taught and how I was able to learn some pretty interesting things about myself as I watched myself, as I allowed my feelings and behaviors to play out. I just let myself do what Jen would normally do and what Jen normally does when she's nervous about something or scared or worried is she obsesses over what she's lacking. I obsessed over what I thought people might not like about me or I worried that they might not understand how I taught. I wondered if they'd hate my style. I obsessed over what songs I would play, the verbiage I would use, which dances I wanted to teach. I went through every possible scenario in my head as to why someone could possibly not like my class. Because if I could come up with all the things that might go wrong, I can be prepared with how to fix it. And it was with that thought, I was suddenly aware that I lived my life always waiting to fix something, always expecting for things to go wrong and expecting to have to fix it. I wondered how often I did this. I wondered how many other people do this. How many people want so badly to do something well that they obsess over it the way I do and end up self-sabotaging themselves by scaring themselves with a bunch of different situations that haven't even happened and probably won't even ever happen. It was actually really sad to realize that I always worked so hard and wasted so much time because I was expecting for things to go wrong in my life. I expected for people not to like me and so I always tried to just find ways to avoid that before it happened. And it was even more interesting to feel myself going through these actions, to listen to the mean things I'd say to myself or think about myself almost as if I was watching a movie, but I was also the main actress. So as I'm watching the movie, trying to figure out what the heck is gonna happen, I was also very aware of the very real feelings I was having. I started understanding why I did the things I did when I was scared or nervous. I started to realize that I thought I needed the gold stars. I thought I needed the validation because it was the only way I felt worthy. I felt important. It was the only way I could find confidence to do anything. I could only feel confident if the confidence was given to me by someone else. Okay, I better get back on track before I go off on another tangent. I moved to BC just a little over a year ago from Manitoba. Um, but in Manitoba, you could mention my name or the studio I taught out of, and there was always someone there to vouch for me. Friends, family, past students. I worked with some big charities. I did some stuff for local TV networks. I was interviewed for newspaper articles, and I taught at a lot of parties and events. I never really had to vouch for myself. I never actually even stopped to think about whether or not I was a good teacher. I just let everyone else decide that for me. But now I was living in a new province where no one had a clue who I was. 
I taught for over 10 years in Manitoba, and that adds up to quite the number of students over the years. I guess I took for granted the constant validation I received. Validation I was always so grateful to get from my students, but validation I was never able to give myself. Validation I never thought to give myself. Isn't that crazy? I taught dance for over 10 years, and I still questioned my ability to teach, my ability to connect, to make people have fun. And in this situation, we're talking about teaching, but if I'm being honest, I think this rings true in most areas of my life. I found my worth through approval. I lived my life being whatever people told me I was. When I dropped out of school, when I ran away from home, when I said I never wanted to get married, I was the black sheep, the rebel child. And I let myself identify as that. But now I know that I'm not the black sheep. I'm not the rebel child. People assumed I had deep-rooted problems that made me drop out of school. They thought I didn't want to get married because my parents had a horrible marriage. But it was actually none of those things. The truth is, I just never saw the point of school or marriage. I believe in education and love, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I didn't want to learn any of the stuff I was learning in school. And I couldn't, for the life of me, understand why signing a piece of paper seemed to be the ultimate expression of love. I'm not saying I don't believe in school or marriage. I just don't think going to school is the only way to learn. And I don't think getting married is the only way to show commitment or love. And all I ever wanted was the logical explanation as to why I had to do those things. Other than because I said so. Other than because it's what other people believed was the source of happiness and success. It didn't dawn on me that I didn't need validation from anyone. But for so long... I allowed myself to identify as the bad apple, the daughter that never listened. And honestly, I was so sick of trying to follow timelines that were making me miserable that I didn't even care. Okay, for goodness sake, back to my teaching story. I swear I have a point. I was talking about perspective and changing perspective because if I had just allowed myself to see things from another perspective, If I had just stopped and really paid attention to how much I actually pour into my students when I teach, how much I actually pour into the things I love, I would have known that teaching is my zone of genius. My eye for detail, my natural ability to connect with people, my very analytical brain, my ability to scan the energy in a room, and know exactly what I need to do to raise people's vibration, my passion for music and expression, that combined with my unique style of teaching is what allows me to reverse engineer any step so I can effectively teach it to literally anyone who desires to learn. Had I just allowed myself to lead with that and remember that and see that, I wouldn't have been as nervous as I was. Anyway, as I was obsessively trying to prepare for these classes, I started looking through my old dance videos, which yes, were on DVDs because that's how old they are. (laughs) But also in the box that these DVDs were in were a bunch of letters and cards from students I've taught in the past. And they were cards and letters that were given to me on my last day at one of the studios I worked for. 
as I'm reading these cards and all the stuff my students were writing about me and these messages, it suddenly hits me that, holy cow, these are from 10 years ago. I was a lot younger then, a single mom trying to figure out this thing called life. Thinking about it now, it just seems like a completely different lifetime ago. And I was a different person. I thought back to the day I received these letters and I remember feeling so loved by all my students. And boy, oh boy, did I ever love them back so deeply. Still do. I adored my students. And if you ask any one of them, they'll easily agree. So I'm reading these letters and I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that the person my students were describing in these heartfelt messages wasn't the person I thought I was 10 years ago. And it just feels like such a full circle moment trying to figure out how they met a version of me 10 years ago that I feel like I'm only becoming now, that I'm only seeing in myself now. You know what? I'm going to read you part of some of these letters because I want you to understand that these weren't just like thank you messages. These were messages that carried me through some of the toughest times over the last 10 years. I'm going to leave out the names for obvious reasons, but I'm going to read out a few sentences from some of them. Okay, this one says, we want you to know what a profound positive influence you've had on us over the last two years. Your seemingly endless enthusiasm, positive attitude, and upbeat approach to teaching has propelled us way past what we thought was possible. Oh my goodness, this one says, you have been such a deep part of our lives for the past five, six years. This separation almost feels like death to us. We can't let you go without telling you what a gifted leader you are and how much potential there is yet to be realized. We hope you take whatever leadership courses might come your way over the next few years, but as great as your leadership potential is, we also want to tell you that your gift and enthusiasm for teaching is even greater. Your career choices may not be absolutely clear at the moment, but your vocation is. You are a leader and a teacher of extraordinary talent and power. Like what? <laughs> this is just some of it. I have a full box of these messages and I can't even. I reread every single one of them and allowed each message to sit differently this time. I knew I read them before, but it felt like I was just seeing them for the first time now because they meant something so different to me. I still felt the love, but the biggest part for me was that I finally felt seen because I started to feel the things that they were saying about me and I started seeing them for myself. You can't see what a house looks like when you're standing inside. So it's this idea of getting outside of your house and admiring what everyone else is seeing, going outside of your body and just taking a look at yourself from a perspective of another person. If you're having a hard time seeing something, change your position, fix your angle. Again, it's your perspective. You're not looking at it from the right place. If you want to go see a movie, would you choose the seat in a spot that has something obstructing your view of the movie? I mean, I wouldn't, yet in real life, we allow things to permanently obstruct our views, our visions. Why? 
If you cannot see what's going on in your movie at all times, you need to change your position. It's a simple concept, yet it's one a lot of us struggle with. I sure do. A bird will never know how amazing it looks when it flies unless it comes down out of the sky and watches from the ground like the rest of us. This brings me back to the reason I didn't put up a podcast episode for the last two weeks. I didn't put up an episode because I needed to show myself that it would be okay not to. I needed to not hand in my homework and understand that it didn't make me the rebel child. It didn't make me the bad student. I tend to put this almost debilitating pressure on myself to get things done. And I used to think it was because I worked well under pressure. I'm an Aries, Enneagram 1, 4-6 generator. I just didn't know any other way to find success other than what I was told, which was work hard and follow directions. And because I could do that, I did. Until I didn't want to. And being quote-unquote unsuccessful started looking a lot more attractive than achieving a success I don't even think I liked. I didn't post a podcast episode to remind myself that I didn't have to. It was okay not to be on a schedule. It was okay to not feel like talking. It was okay to not reach fake expectations. And I say it was okay because it was, but at the same time, it took every ounce of me not to make some type of announcement about it. I still felt the need to explain myself. Isn't that crazy? That I felt the need to make some type of announcement because I decided not to post for a few weeks. I felt the need to have a reason for my quote-unquote imperfection. I needed a reason to not follow a schedule, even if I was the one who made the schedule up. In a world that's constantly trying to seek perfection, I needed to remind myself that the answers were in my imperfections, because that's what sets me apart. That's where I find what makes me special and unique. Perfection is not this rank or achievement you need to aim for because it's fake. It doesn't exist. We live by these rules, by these laws that were set up, that were made up by a person no different than us. We live in a society that was shaped by a collective of people no different than you and I. We live by standards that someone else set to fit their own agenda. I don't know what you've been through what you're going through or what you're gonna go through in the future but what I do know is that it was in those moments of feeling like I was different feeling like I didn't belong feeling like I couldn't get anywhere feeling like things didn't make sense feeling like I didn't understand the rules I found myself in the moments I felt the most lost so If you're in a season of your life where you're feeling the most lost, where you're feeling like there's no way out, I promise you're in there. And when you find yourself, when you find the real you, it will all be worth it. And it was in those moments I started realizing I didn't want to play that game anymore. I'm not here to play by rules. And if I have to follow them to play, then I don't want to play. And if you feel that way too, then neither should you. That's all I got for today. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you have a chance, I would appreciate so much if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review to make it easier for other people to find the show. I can't wait for our next conversation. I love you to the moon and back. All of you.